Hello, everyone. Welcome to Simply Reflecting. I'm your host, Dutch, and I am so excited that you're here joining us for the very second episode of Sim... The very second? The very second episode? I don't think that's how you say that. The second episode of Simply Reflecting. If you've come back, my God, thank you for coming back. And if you're new, welcome in. I am so glad that you're here as well. Every episode, we're getting together. We're reflecting on things happening in my life, things happening in the world around us. And, you know, I want it to feel like a debrief with a good friend, right? That friend that you get together with and you just love hearing about everything going on in their lives. I love those moments. And so I hope that this podcast feels like that. It's a warm, comforting environment. Well, not too warm. I don't want you schwitzing. But, you know, a comforting, a comfortable temperature environment (laughs) where you're debriefing with a friend. So all that being said, let's get into this week's reflections. This week, we're reflecting on something that I think a lot of people have been dealing with since childhood or an idea that you've had since you were growing up, and that's sticking up for yourself, right? Like standing up for yourself in the face of adversity, in the face of somebody trying to knock you down, a la Carrie Hilson, like the whole thing, right? So recently, I had a very specific experience where this came up for me, and I had never gone through this experience before, right? And so, well... I've been through the experience of sticking up for myself. I grew up gay in the New York City public school system, but this specific experience where I had to stick up for myself, I'd never been through before. And I was taking a car like into a repair shop to get it fixed. So growing up, we actually did have a car, which is kind of rare in the city. It's like not the most common thing. It was a 1991 Ford Explorer that we parked on the street. It had two doors and you know, it was a little bit of a, a rough ride, if you will. I prefer immersive, right? It was an immersive experience when you were in the car because whatever the temperature was outside that was the temperature in the car because there was no ac or heat right whatever sounds were happening outside the car those were the sounds inside the car because there was no radio like the third time it got stolen we just didn't replace it the skylight like sky roof was really cool because you could look through and see the sky you could also feel the sky you know if it started to rain it would begin to pour into the car and you'd be having to like try to stop it with like dunkin napkins from the glove compartment so there were all the windows i forgot can't believe i almost forgot about the windows on the side it was a two-person job to get them down one person had to like press the button and the other person had to like slap at them kind of like a seal in order to try to like gain traction to be able to pull the windows down and then you did the same thing on the reverse and just hoped that your fingers didn't get stuck in between the window and the car door anyway that was the type of car that i grew up with right and we gave the car away in 2016 sadly it was on the last of its immersive legs and we never got another car and i've never owned my own car but my partner does have his own car, right? But we grew up with very different car mentalities, right? Like I grew up, the car makes noise, you keep driving. He grew up, the car makes noise, you get it looked at, right? And so recently his car, it's this like 10 year old or so Hyundai car and it started making noise every time that we hit the brakes. And so he was, of course, was like, you know, we gotta go get it looked at, me. I'm like, how loud is the noise, you know? But he was like, no, 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 we need to make an appointment to get it looked at. And so that's what we did. Well, that's what he did. He made an appointment at a Hyundai service center and of course it was over an hour away So we made sure to make an appointment. That's very key here. Remember that we made an appointment for 8 a.m. First appointment of the day. And we woke up at 6 a.m. The day of we were nervous. We got there early. You know, two queers in an auto shop is not exactly the name of a best selling memoir, although it should be. Um. So, you know, we were a little nervous and they're asking like all these technical questions. We don't know how to answer. They're like, well, what is the sound? What does it sound like? You know, when it's when it's making this sound. And the only way I know how to describe it is if you've ever been in a really old New York City apartment building and you go to flush the toilet, it makes this like um, <laughs> sound. <laughs> they That was not, it was not clicking. Anyway, um, we were basically like, just drive the car and you'll hear the sound, right? So they're like, okay, we'll take a look. We'll let you know. So we're like, great. 
So we have some time to kill. So I, of course, I'm on Google Maps. I'm like, where's the nearest, you know, Panera or something like that? And turns out there's a Panera half a mile away, right? And well, you know, mind you, half a mile in the suburbs, because we were on Long Island, half a mile in the suburbs is very different than half a mile in the city. There is nothing that will humble you faster than walking along a highway at 8 a.m. in the morning when the temperature is already 84 degrees and there's no shade. Humbling. And then we were further humbled when we finally got to the Panera because there was no way to get into the Panera parking lot unless we literally traversed through this series of like bushes just to get into the parking lot. Covered pine needles, the whole thing. Anyway, we ended up sitting at Panera for about two and a half, three hours, I think. And at like the three hour mark, I was like, maybe we should call them right now. Again, I don't know anything about dropping a car off, but I kind of thought like, okay, I feel like they would have called with an update or something at this point, right? So my partner calls advocating for himself, right? And basically just says like, is there an update on the car? Very simple. We were like extra nice, right? And I think sometimes when like you're advocating for yourself, at least this comes up for me, I get like nervous, like, oh my God, I'm being like a Karen or something. I'm being like real a nag. But like, I don't think when you're conscious of it and you're so nervous about being like that, I rarely think it comes across like that. At least for me, I have to remind myself, like I'm so conscious of it and so nervous about it that I like overcompensate with kindness and like being extra like perky. Anyway, so they pick up the phone and immediately they're like, no update. No, before my partner even like barely finishes, there's no update, no status update. We have absolutely nothing. We were like, oh, okay, thank you. You know, we hang up the phone. And at this point we're like, oh my goodness, it's almost been four hours. So I don't know if anybody else thinks like this, but you know when you're at like a restaurant and the food takes a really long time to get to you and you think like, okay, one of us should get up and go to the bathroom. And if we go to the bathroom, the food will come, right? So in that, I don't know if anybody else thinks like that, but so in that same line of energy, we were like, well, maybe if we get back up and walk back to the car place that will like spur the energy of the car to get moving, right? So that's what we did. We traversed back through the Panera Forest along the candy cane highway through the gumdrops and you know all of that the whole thing it was five degrees hotter and even more humbling every degree of heat brought a new level of humility and uh, humbleness so we finally make it back to the service center and at this point it's been over four hours right it's like 12 something and to provide some context because you know I love a context providing moment right we're on Long Island and if you don't know like New York City area geography Long Island is a suburb of the city of the five boroughs and it's made up of all of these little cities and towns and villages and there are some parts of Long Island which are extremely conservative right like very very conservative and we were in one of those areas and so you know we weren't exactly welcomed in with pride flags and you know affirmations <laughs> to say the least it was it was very much not that energy, right? Nobody had been at Pride the week before. Let's just put it like that, right? So when we get back to the service center, my partner's like, you know what? It's been over four hours. We should ask for another update, right? And so he goes up to basically just say like, are there any updates? And immediately they're like cutting him off. They're like, no, there's no updates. Like you already asked. We don't have any updates for you. Like there's nothing. You dropped it off. You just have to wait. And I didn't say anything. I'm like, oh, what? There's no updates? Like, so another like 15 or 20 minutes goes by and I feel myself getting like more frustrated, right? And I'm like, you know what? This this is not what's going on, right? We've been here for over four and a half hours now. There's no updates. You can't even tell us the status of the car. And my partner is like definitely more soft-spoken and doesn't really have like my accent or something like that. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up and talk to them because I'm so intimidating. But I was like, I'm going to be Mr. Tough Guy and I'm going to go talk to them, right? I'm going to be like, hey, we're at an auto shop. What's going on? You know, I know cars. They've got four wheels and a horn. What's happening, right? You know, like I was going to really, you know, the whole thing. And so I did, you know, I went up and I it wasn't exactly like, what's going on with the car? It was a little more like, 
Hello, hello. I don't mean to be a bother. I just want to follow up on the status of the car. You know, it was more that type of speed. And mind you, it took me like 10 minutes to be able to just say that, right? Because first, they actively ignored me for like five minutes while I stood there. And then when they finally acknowledged me, they just kept rolling their eyes, cutting me off. I mean, they weren't even cutting me off like every word. They were cutting me off every syllable. And there were three of them behind the counter, right? They were cutting me off so much they were cutting each other off, right? Like it was really hard to stand up and just get across what I was trying to get across, which is, we have been waiting here for mad long. What is going on with the car? And finally, one of them was like, you're not waiting for the car. And I was like, what do you mean you're not, we're not wait, we're not waiting for the car? I'm like, yes, we are. I'm like, we're waiting for the car. They were like, no, you made a drop-off appointment. And I was like, no, 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 no. We made a wait appointment, right? I'm pulling up the thing. We called them on Friday, and when they asked us if we wanted to drop the car off or, like, wait for the car, we very specifically said we want to wait for the car because, again, this place was over an hour away. This is the only car we have. Like, we had to wait for the car. There was no dropping off the car, right? So after me saying that, like, literally, no joke, six, seven times, they, like, were refusing to even check what type of appointment it was, right? They were like, fine, we will go look and see what type of appointment it is. Like, I was just fighting to get them to go... Like, look and see the type of appointment, right? So they go in the back, and well, one of them goes in the back, and foreshadowing, they were back there for, like, a really long time. I'm like, this is taking a while. But anyway, the whole day has been taking a while, so I wasn't that surprised. So then they come back with this, like, random piece of paper, and it says drop-off on it, right? And they're like, see, you made a drop-off appointment. And I'm like, no, there's no way. I wish I had the phone recording. Like, from Friday, we made an appointment to wait for this car. I promise you, there's no way. I'm explaining to them again, like, we live so far away. There's not, there's just no way. So she's like, fine, fine. We'll f- try to fit you in next. Like, you know, we'll just go take a seat. We'll try to fit you in next. I was like, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, and I feel like, okay, you know, I've accomplished something, right? We've accomplished something here. So go take a seat. Of course, it's another hour before they call us back up to tell us what's wrong with the car. And we've been sitting there now for over seven and a half hours, right? So I've been listening to the sales reps call all the people whose cars need to be fixed telling them what they need to have fixed, but then also saying things like, you know, your right rear view windshield mirror needs a brake fluid twisting flush with deodorizer for like an extra $500, right? That's not actually what's needed. So when they call us back up to go over what's wrong with the car, I am prepared, right? I'm like, I know they're going to try to upsell us with some things here. And of course they did. There was like what needed to be required and well, or what was required. And that was fabulous. It was a thousand dollars. We had to get like these brakes. I can't even get into it. So, but anyway, it was a thousand dollars what needed to be required. And then there were all these other things that were optional right one of the things was like windshield wipers and when we were like no that's okay like we'll replace them ourselves the service representative was literally like well not my problem if you want to die in a rainstorm like that was the energy that was being brought right so my partner ended up paying for it right because he had to the brakes you had to pay for it a thousand dollars the whole day was a lot, right? Literally, it was a lot. It was a lot of time. It was a lot of money. It was a lot, right? And it was a lot of advocating, standing up for yourself in these environments where clearly they did not want to be dealing with us, right? Like, as I alluded to before, we were in a very particular area of Long Island, right? No pride flags waving at this location. And 
not to bring queerness into everything, but it's always in everything when it's a part of your identity, right? Like all aspects of your identity are present at all times, right? And I will just say, for whatever reason, this was like couple Monday, right? Everybody and their mother that came in was a straight presenting couple. And no other couple, because we sat there the whole time, we watched them all I know, no other couple did they cut off, did they not let speak? It was like a, it was night and day, the experience that we were having versus some of these other couples, right? And so it got me thinking a lot about like standing up for yourself and environments where clearly you're you're not just standing up for yourself but you're having to stand up for yourself in like a hostile environment or an environment where people are actively trying to knock you down right like again Carrie Hilson shout out um right try to knock you down and I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, it's never become less scary, right? I can remember being a child and like being scared of having to stick up for myself, right? And now I'm still just as scared, but I do feel a little more confident in doing it, right? And I was like, what has changed since when I was younger to now that I feel more confident? And I feel like it's two things. One, I think it's the fact that my name is Dutch, okay? And you're like, what? My name is Dutch, okay? Do you know what it's like going through life being like, my name's Dutch Josh, my name's Dutch Butch, my name's Dutch Jane? Like, what? It's never correct. Starbucks. I was at Starbucks once, gave them Dutch as my name. I got my drink back. It said Duog. Duog. D-U-O-G, right? So that, specifically, that my name is Dutch. But then also, for the first 16 years of my life, that fight was even harder because when I was born, my mom was like, you know what? We're going to call him Dutch. We'll call him Dutch at school. His teachers will call him that. His friends will call him that. Anything we get like with his name on it, it'll say Dutch. We'll always introduce him as Dutch. The only place that he won't be Dutch is on his birth certificate. His birth certificate. That will say William. William. And we're not even going to put Dutch as the middle name. We're going to put Dutch nowhere on his birth certificate, right? And so I spent the first 16 years of my life, every first day of school, every time there was a sub, any like government interaction, right? Like they'd call William and I'd have to say, you can call me Dutch or my name is Dutch or never I'm Dutch, never I'm Dutch because then people are like, great, you're from the Netherlands. So if you ever hear me introduce myself, I almost always say my name is Dutch, right? So anyway, I got it legally changed when I was 16, thank goodness. And ever since then, it's my government name. It's always been my name, right? But now it's official and legal and all that and has been for a while. But anyway, spending the first 16 years of your life and still today having to constantly tell people what your name is, right? It, it teaches you a level of advocacy or perseverance, right? So there's that. And then also... I feel like I've learned a lot about advocating or sticking up for myself from watching my mom, right? So a little background on my family. Here we go again. Context. You know, I got to give the context. My parents divorced when I was really young and my dad immigrated here from Australia, right? And there is nothing intimidating about an Australian immigrant. He's five foot six. His voice goes up at the end of every sentence like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, if you ever hear an Australian speak. So my mother, on the other hand, is, well, (laughs) my mother is not intimidated. Let me, I... I'm uh, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about my mother hearing me stutter about how to describe her. My mother is not intimidating. My mother is direct, right? Like my mother will tell you exactly how she feels and what she's thinking, right? And I think part of that is because she's been in therapy for like over 30 years and, and not just individual therapy, like group therapy also. She's part of this amazing group of women and they, they're run by this woman who I think has been doing therapy for like over 60 years. I Like she put Freud out of business, right? Like, and it's all about, or at least, you know, what I've been taught from her and all that she's learned is like so much of the work that she does is about being direct with your feelings and clear about how you feel and really being in touch with that, all that. Anyway, so... But that being said, it's it's not like flowery therapy language, right? Like she's always been very direct and concise in explaining how she feels. And so over the years, I've watched her advocate for herself, for me as a single parent, right? And 
the one thing that I always remember her doing, or well, it's really two things, is whenever she advocates for herself, she always, always, always states very simply and plainly what it is that she needs. And then secondly, she asks the other person why it's not happening, right? And I think that second part is so key because like how many times have you found yourself trying to explain to somebody desperately like what it is that you need or what you're trying to explain and they're just not picking it up, right? And so you come up with like 50 different ways to try to explain it, right? Like you make yourself crazy trying to come up with different ways to explain it or say what you need or or use different language or whatever it is. And Really, you could just take a moment if you've tried to explain it one or two different ways and the person isn't, you know, picking up what you're putting down. You can say to them, like, what is coming up for you that you're not hearing what I'm saying? Or what's preventing you from understanding me? Or what's preventing from this thing that I say that I need happening, right? And not in like a Karen way, not in like a you you shouldn't have to explain yourself clearly and you, you should just expect everybody else to understand what you're saying. And if you try explaining it once and they don't get it, you should just be like, What's stopping you from understanding me? Like, not like that, but like, okay, here, this is the example I can give. And I, I think this, you know me, love context and love an example, right? I think this example will sum up what I mean by like stating clearly what you need and asking why it's not happening, right? So when I was in seventh grade, I had a teacher and this actually ties into the name part, right? And I had this teacher refuse to call me by my name, right? Always calling me William, even though all the other teachers called me Dutch, my friends called me Dutch. And he really did it just to like antagonize me. Like he was a bully. He would do it and he would like look around the room and wait for other kids to laugh because like, oh, he wasn't calling me the right name. He would like say it in a mocking tone, this whole thing. And one day I snapped back, right? I was like, I was fed up. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know I got in trouble, right? And you know sometimes when like you snap back on somebody, like you you like are so nervous about sticking up for yourself that you don't even remember what you say. So I think I said something like, you know, like you better call me the right name. Like my name is Dutch, get it together. You know, whatever it was, seventh grade me, right? So anyway, I got in trouble for doing that. He said I was disrespectful, the irony. He said I was disrespectful and I got sent to the dean, right? And whenever you got sent to the dean, your parent got called or your family member got called, right? So they ended up calling my mom and, you know, to tell her what had happened. And this is when I knew it was about to go down because when they called my mom to tell her, she was like, you know what, actually, I'm going to come in. I'm going to come in to have this conversation. So I knew, right? And the thing about my mom is I knew she always had my back, right? And not in the type of way where like there was no accountability because there was definitely accountability, right? But like I got into it a little bit in middle school and there were times like this time where I don't think I was in the wrong, right? And I was standing up for myself. And there were other times when, yeah, I was disrespectful or or I, was, I wasn't even really disrespectful to teachers or anything like that. I just talked a lot, right? Like I was always talking. I was always getting detention for talking, things like that. So Anyway, you know, and there were times when like that was the case, right? And but when my mom would get called in, she would never embarrass me in the room, right? We would leave the room, she'd have my back in the room, we might leave the room, and on the way home, she'd be like, What on earth were you thinking, right? But in the room, she always had my back. So I knew if she was coming into school, she was gonna have my back, right? So she showed up to the meeting, meeting fit on, ready to go, right? And before she went into the room, she was like, Why don't you wait out here, right? And I knew. If my mom is telling me to wait outside the classroom, it's about to go down, right? So anyway, my mom went in, and I remember the only thing that she said to this teacher, very simply, very clearly, was, what is preventing you from calling my son the correct name? That was it. She stated what needed to happen, call my son by the correct name, and then she asked, what's preventing you from doing that? And it so threw him because he now not only had to acknowledge that he wasn't doing what needed to be done, which is calling me the right name, but he also needed to express why that wasn't happening. And a lot of times when people are refusing to meet your needs, and again, I don't mean in like a, 
they're refusing to meet my needs and give me iced tea in a minute or less, like a Karen type of way. But I mean like a, a moment where like your basic needs aren't being met, like being called the right name or having a doctor listen to you or, you know, those types of situations. A lot of times when you find yourself in those situations and you ask them why it's not happening, it provides a level of accountability, right? That person now got to tell you like, he had to come up with reasons why he wasn't calling me the right name. And he didn't have any good reasons why he wasn't calling me the right name other than that's not what it was on the attendance sheet and he thought I was trying to pull a fast one. Well, here's my mother in front of you telling you to call me that name, right? So anyway, I hope that sort of makes sense in there, right? That that's the number one thing I learned about advocating for myself and for others for my mom. And I think it's helped me feel a little more confident is not only having to do it for all those years with my name, but this very clear framework, right? Of like, state clearly what you want or need and ask why it's not happening or what's preventing it from, from being done, right? So anyway, maybe that's not like revolutionary, but I think anytime that you're dealing with having to stick up for yourself, anything that is simple and easy to make it easier, especially if you're somebody like me who gets so anxious about doing it and you don't want to do it. And oh my goodness, I just want to go home and it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. You can, you know, whatever it is, right? You're the type of person who goes to the hair cutting place and like they bleach your hair blonde, even though you asked for brunette and they cut it sideways and upside down and all the different ways. And then they go, how does it look? And you go, it looks fabulous. Like, I'm that type of person sometimes, right? And so I know how scary it can be advocating for yourself. So I hope that framework is helpful in in navigating all of that. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to just add on, sort of circling back to the advocating for your name, I know it can be so, so embarrassing or shame-inducing or you feel small or belittled or something when, like, you've got to really speak up. And, for example, with your name, right? Like, it's so embarrassing sometimes for me to be like, it's Dutch, it's D-U-T-C-H, you know, like I'm always just like, Ugh. but first of all, there's nothing embarrassing about for you. If somebody else gets your name wrong, like that is not on you, boo, that's on them. And I personally get like really mad when people brush off getting other people's names, right? Like that's a, that's a, uh, something I don't like. Right. But that being said, it's still embarrassing and I still feel embarrassed. And so I allow myself to feel embarrassed, right? I still do it. But I don't try to like tell myself like, oh, it's not embarrassing. You shouldn't be embarrassed. Like, no, at the end of the day, should you be embarrassed? No, not at all. It's not on you. And I'm still going to be embarrassed. I'm still going to be absolutely mortified about having to do this, right? And so what I'm trying to say is in those moments when you have to stick up for yourself, you're already doing so much having to stick up for yourself. If you want to feel embarrassed or mortified about it while you're doing it, feel embarrassed or mortified about it. It's, It's too much work to have to stick up for yourself and at the same time be like, I am not embarrassed by this. Like, if you can do that, amazing. I wish I could. But if you're like me and that feels like too much, be embarrassed and and stick up for yourself at the same time, right? Don't quote me on this in any therapy session. Uh, (laughs) I don't think it's the best way of handling it or navigating it, but I do think it can be effective sometimes, right? So anyway, that is how... I navigate sticking up for myself in certain situations, and I hope it, you know, this very roundabout way helped you sort of navigate some of it as well. And oh my God, I never want to go to another auto shop as long as I live. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this week's reflections. I hope it offered some value and some insight. And this is usually the part where we would do our little advice section. Now, 
nobody uh, sent in any requests for advice, which is totally fine. I got lots of really nice messages and, and voicemails and things like that. And I didn't exactly give like the, the most uh, reassuring pitch for sending in, you know, questions you have advice about, but the offer still stands. If there's anything that you want advice about or something like that, send me a voicemail or a text. The phone number is in the description box below. I would love, love, love to hear from you. I love hearing from you guys about anything at all. So, but I did think this week, maybe instead of me asking for you guys to send in advice, I could pose a question to all of you. And instead of sending in, you know, uh, questions for advice, you could send in answers to the question, right? And maybe we could share them next week. I don't know, sort of flip it around, if you will, right? So this week's question or this week, and of course, also, if you still want to send in questions for advice, totally do that. But this week's question that I'm posing is this. I want to know what you do to make yourself feel more confident when you're advocating for yourself, right? Is there like a phrase you think of? Is there a pose you do? Is there a lucky charm you have? Whatever it is, I want to know what you do to make yourself feel more confident when you're advocating or if you have like an insane advocating story like you were at the auto shop for eight and a half hours. I would love to hear that as well. So of course, the voicemail, the text, the number is in the description box below and I am so looking forward to hearing from you. I know this episode was a little all over the place. I'm trying to find my footing, right? I, one thing I decided, this is so cliche, but I decided I was going to dedicate myself to with this podcast was full honesty and transparency, which I try to do all the time anyway, but, you know, really bring you behind the scenes on my thoughts and, and feelings around all of this. And so I am nervous still about doing this podcast and really trying to figure out sort of the energy or the rhythm or the flow of it. So I, I'm thankful and I'm thanking you right now for sticking with me as each episode sort of takes on a different energy and we're never quite sure where it's going to wind up. So thank you for sticking with me. I am so glad that you were here. I'm so glad that you chose to stay and I absolutely positively cannot wait until we are together again, simply reflecting. <laughs>